What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Plenty of football to talk about. We have the Super NFL Wildcard Weekend upon us. Some very fascinating matchups after a wild week 18. I got to say, Kendall, I was one of the biggest people saying I do not want an extra week. Bad for player safety. I don't need that much regular season football. I had to eat a lot of crow after watching that just classic we saw on Sunday Night Football. Some of the other really strong games on week 18 that led us to this to this, to this, this really exciting wildcard weekend we have coming up with some really uh, fascinating matchups. So we'll be breaking down all of those games in just a bit. We'll also talk about a lot of regime change in the NFL. We've seen plenty of NFL head coaches be showed the pink slip and the door as uh, various coaches, some less surprising than others, being fired from their NFL teams. We'll talk about which teams are going in the right direction and the wrong direction following some of these moves. And we have a new national champion in college football. The Georgia Bulldogs exercised their demons by finally, after seven straight losses to the Alabama Crimson Tide, finally won a national championship, first national championship uh, at Georgia in almost 40 years. So plenty of pigskin on this podcast if you're a football fan. So this is going to be a fun one. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. And Kendall, before we get to all the pigskin, we got to talk some round ball because my New York Knicks made a splash. It made a little splash, depending on well, you know how you how you defer how you describe a splash, but they they made a trade. This happened just hours before we uh, recorded this podcast. Cam Reddish, the former first round pick for the Atlanta Hawks, is being sent to the New York Knicks along with Solomon Hill and a 2025 second round pick in exchange for Kevin Knox, a former New York Knicks first round pick, a protected 2022 first round pick which which is going to be from Charlotte, and we'll talk about some of the protections on that in a minute. Um, we'll be going to Atlanta. So Cam Reddish now teams up with R.J. Barrett once again, former Duke teammate. We can talk a lot about just what Cam Reddish means for the New York Knicks, but when you think about Barrett and Reddish teaming up, the last time we saw these two pair up together, there was a third man, Kendall. Just like in the NWO when we kept saying, who's the third man? There was a third man. <laughs> That found his way into onto into Durham, North Carolina, onto uh, the campus uh, of Duke University. That third man ended up changing changing life for Duke that season, Zion Williamson. So there's a lot of ways we can go with this move, but just on the surface, what do you make of the trade? Yeah, um, you know, my first question is, you know, what's what's it going to take for the Knicks to get Trey Jones? Um, <laughs> You're the second person I've seen make the joke that we now it's confirmed that Trey Jones to the Knicks is just you know inevitable. <laughs> it's in the works. I know Knicks need a point guard, uh, <laughs> so Trey Jones be on the lookout. But in terms of in terms of this this move for the Knicks, I mean, look, you know me, I've I've loved Cam Reddish as a prospect since he came out of Duke. Um, I you know I had him pretty much neck and neck, if not higher than R.J. Barrett coming out of Duke, so. Um, and that hasn't been entirely correct <laughs> uh, no. so far in his early NBA career. But um, despite, despite Hooper Media keep trying to convince us otherwise, that somehow Cam Reddish <laughs> is better, even though there's no metric to, to suggest that. Yeah, there's no number. There's no number to suggest that. Um, and, and and that's that's the thing about this is that obviously you have to take you have to take this with I want to say a grain of salt, but you just have to understand that 
you know, the upside of Cam Reddish right now isn't exactly the player that Cam Reddish is right now. And so mm-hmm. expectations have to be tempered to a degree where we're not saying, you know, <laughs> the Knicks just got Ga- Paul. Guarantee, guarantee future all-star, which is what right, I saw exactly. one, one blue check basketball person say on Twitter today. Exactly. You know, we, we don't need the, the, you know, the Knicks just got, you know, you know, Paul George, they just got Jason Tatum. But is there a is there an outcome where he where he becomes that good? I mean, it's possible. And if you're the Knicks, why why not take a swing on a guy who, at worst, is a guy who's you know injury prone, but when he's out there, has moments where he can take over games. He's kind of an enigma, but you know, when he he, he can have games where he's the best player on the floor. And at best, like I said, he's a guy who has the potential to be a future All Star. He has the talent. Um he was just never healthy and never really given an opportunity on a team where everything is ran through Trey Young. You know, mm-hmm. it just was not the best fit for for Cam Reddish as a player to play on a team where the volume of touches and, and the usage is going all to one player who's who's at the point guard position. So, yeah, I mean, why not take the swing for the Knicks? See what you got. Um you didn't give up. I mean, you gave up Kevin Knox, who was like a worse version of Cam Reddish in terms of that. Who, who was out of rotation, who really was having a tough time yeah, exactly. on the floor for New York. Yeah, it wasn't somebody you were really, you know, worried about his future anyway. You know, he's he's more, he's even more of an enigma and even less talented than Cam Reddish is. So I, you know, and then, you know, uh, obviously given a protected first round pick, we have to remember that Cam Reddish was a top 10 pick. Yeah, he was the 10th pick in the draft. Right? He was the 10th, 10th pick in the draft. Um, I don't look at that pick and say it was, it was a bad pick at this point in his career. Uh, you still kind of don't really know. So if you're at that point where you don't really know about a guy who's the 10th pick in the draft, and you really, really don't know. Not like, yeah, Jared Culver, we don't know. Like, yeah, we kind of know Jared Culver is not going to be a superstar. I was wrong on that one. But but with Cam Reddish, we honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. It's still up in the air for a guy even three years into his career. Um, So if you're going to make that deal... I'd rather have that guy than, you know, if we're looking in this year's draft, some dude that you can draft twentieth, you know, that would have right. ended up being. Uh, and you, you gotta know, hope, and you gotta not. hope that, and you gotta hope that you actually get that twentieth pick. Exactly, because it's, it's the, the pick to to get into the to the to the to the things of the pick, the details of the pick. It, it's a top eighteen protected pick from Charlotte. Charlotte right now is at twenty. Right, and really, you right hit the nail right on the head with that. They're they're twentieth right now, and yeah. they're having a really good season. So even if they slide a little bit, the Knicks don't get the pick. It goes down to the next year. Um, I, I forget the, the exact protections on it, but it it, 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 it it continues to go down and down. It may be top 10 next year or top 15. Um, but is it at a certain first-round pick, or does it ever turn into second? It, it turns into second-round picks by 2025, I believe. So yeah. that's a fact. I know that for sure. So – it may not ever be a first round pick in theory, and it's, and and when the Knicks made the trade last year, when they traded out of nineteen, I was one of the people who were on this podcast that were saying I didn't really understand that trade, though I ended up kind of liking the value that they got from the players that they got. But to me, I was like they're getting this pick that is uh, that may not ever be a first round pick. I didn't yeah. even quite understand. Remember that the was logic Kai to this history. at the time. That was a, we yes, that was Kai Jones. You know why wouldn't you just take Kai Jones and? And then it ended up being Keon Johnson, right? Who they also traded. Right, yeah, Keon Johnson. They traded out of there. So Tommy, Tommy Beer, shout out to Tommy Beer. He does great work for Forbes. 
Um, and he, you know, he does a lot of work covering the Knicks. He broke it down quite nicely. He said the Knicks entered the 2021 draft with the 19th, 21st, and 32nd picks. They managed to turn those three picks into Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes, uh, Roku Jacobitis, who, if you if you pay attention to any European basketball, is one of the, the best young players in Europe right now. Point guard, left-handed, uh, Lithuania. He looks like he's going to be an NBA player, a really good NBA player, potentially, whenever he comes over. And Deuce McBride. So, considering what they had in that draft, if you told me a year later that was going to be the outcome, I mean, there's not a single basketball person, forget Nick fan, a single basketball person that wouldn't have looked at that and said, that's a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? You'll, you'll take that any day of the week. So that's a really, really nice job by Leon Rose and this front office. Another analysis I saw that I think is is, is interesting too is Leon Rose has done an excellent job of not allowing the trade market to dictate value for players. And what I mean by that is, remember last year he traded for Derrick Rose around the same time. It, it might be almost to the day. It was it was very soon. Remember last season the NBA started later in the year. They they, they traded for Derrick Rose earlier in the season, well before the trade deadline. Here they trade for Cam Reddish well before the trade deadline. And what happens when you do that is you don't get into this kind of bidding war leading up right up until the trade deadline with other teams that may be trying to outbid you. Clearly, they don't, the Hawks, for some reason, well, we know the reasons, but they, they were ready to move on from Cam Reddish. They just felt like it was not going to work out for him there with them. And we knew that they were shopping him around, but I guess the Knicks being aggressive enough to say, look, we'll give you a protected first was enough to say, all right, well, we'll take this deal now. Instead of maybe waiting the three, four weeks where you get closer to the deadline, where other teams start to say, okay, well, wait, we're willing to maybe do a little bit more. Maybe they see some things on their team that they want to change. Maybe they see some things, maybe some teams want to start tanking, and maybe they feel, okay, we want to take a young player like Cam Reddish. We'll take on one of your bad contracts at Gallinari. The word was that they wanted to pair Reddish with a, a bad contract. So the Knicks did never got into that place, just like they never got into that place with Derrick Rose. Last year they traded Derrick Rose for a second-round pick, and Dennis Smith. So, again, really solid job by this front office by attacking early, well before the trade deadline, and getting a piece that can help the Knicks. Because the Knicks have problems with terms of size on the wing. You know, their backup three-man has essentially been Alec Burks for most of the season when he's been on the bench. But now he's starting at the one, which is controversial in itself. But now they don't really have a backup three. So, you know, they, they, they are missing that kind of size on the wing. And Cam Reddish is 6'8". Six, 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 <laughs> you know? And a guy who Tom Thibodeau is going to love his ability to defend on top of, right. you know, what he can give you offensively when his shot is small. Yeah. And Cam's got to be consistent, you know, because you know, some of the complaints from Hawks fans has been, you know, the defense slips when he does, he's not getting touches. The motor, yeah, obviously. And, doesn't you know, move. motor has always been a question with him. But when he gets... When he plays defense, this guy can be a really good defensive player. One of the guys where you put on the other team's best player and you may have a shot at keeping that guy's night to a reasonable night. That's kind of yes. that's the kind of defense Cam Reddish is and, capable and of playing. And you're talking about, you know... Uh, it's not what you were ever going to get from Kevin Knox. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're, I mean, you're talking about an Eastern Conference where, you know, Chicago's got guy, a guy like DeMar DeRozan, Brooklyn, has got Kevin Durant. You know, Boston's got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, you know, you know, obviously Chris Middleton in, in Milwaukee. I mean, you got some some really great wings. 
uh, that you're, you're going to need guys who can, who can guard those guys to a degree. You're, obviously, none of those guys are really going to get shut down. But uh, although we know R.J. Barrett can already shut down Jason Tatum, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> one for one for three this year, I guess, in those matchups or two for three. I mean, they played four times. One, the first game of the year, he, he did a bang up job, and Tatum <laughs> had his way the rest of the three games. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a this is a this is a very it'd be a fascinating move. And what I will say is, this shows you the value also of having those extra expendable exactly. assets. Exactly. You know, we talk about why do we want a future protected first why do we want a contract that's tradable you know or some extra cap space or this and that it's for when guys like cam reddish are you know banging down travis slink's office saying get me out of here exactly because i want to go to a team that's going to give me a, an opportunity to to thrive and so the hawks have to are pushed to the brink where they've got to trade him and now you can get him for what you view an expendable asset mm-hmm. the there are Lakers fans right now that want to wring, you know, Rob Palenka's neck because he didn't make <laughs> right. a move for Cam Reddish. But the Lakers don't have any first-round picks to trade. Right, exactly. They don't really have any assets. I mean, if you're trading trading for Cam Reddish, you're trading Horton Tucker. You know, like, yeah. at that point, you're not really – it's not really – it doesn't make sense to trade yeah, a guy yeah, for a young trade. player for a young player. Yeah. You know, so – A young player that you're using. You know, again, the Knicks were traded a young player that, that was not – yeah. playing for them that they that they had deemed was not uh right was, was not going to be a factor in their season and I, i'll i'll say this about the hawks mm-hmm. don't sleep on the on the idea that kevin knox can't play well in atlanta definitely um, i totally agree with that you know it wasn't going to work out for the knicks if kevin knox turns out to be a to be a starting nba small forward it, you know we can't then look at it and say the knicks were stupid no, it wasn't no. going to work out yeah. you know obviously hindsight Wins all wins every trade, <laughs> so, of course. Yeah. Um. But with that being said, I think Kevin Knox is a player. I you know, I don't love this trade for the Hawks, but is it is it, this is also a deal where it's feasible that Kevin Knox turns out to be a, a guy who yeah, can play? it's a trade you had to do. You know, you never love trades that you have to do, but the can the, the Hawks had to trade Cam Reddish. Now the argument comes is it the best they could have got again. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going on in the locker room or how much he's, you know, you know, being a, a malcontent or his, his, his camp being a malcontent with the front office and how you know toxic the situation may have become. We, we don't know any of those things. But, you know, the fact that they traded him this early shows that they had to get rid of him very soon. So they got rid of him. And I agree. Kevin Knox fits much better with, to, next to Trey Young and those guys than Cam Reddish does because Kevin Knox you know, we've seen that whenever he's asked to do much more than what his offensive game is right now, that's where he struggles. You know, there was this, there was this idea that maybe he could be kind of a isolation scorer, a guy who can run pick and roll, uh, uh, pick and roll as a ball handler. We saw, you know, Dave Fizdale use him like that in a great deal his rookie year. And we saw that was not really his game, or at least he wasn't developed enough to that. And what we've seen in the little bit of spots we've seen him play the last two seasons is, I mean, he's 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 a very good jump shooter. I mean, he, he's really become a pretty consistent knockdown catch-and-shooter in the very limited time he's played. Now, defense is an issue. Rebounding is an issue. But when you're playing, you know, with a guy at Trey Young who's great at finding shooters, you know, Knox is going to get those opportunities and get great looks, better looks than he got with the Knicks, probably playing with the Hawks. So there's, a, there's a, definitely a chance that he could work out for them for the rest of the season 
in, and, and end up being a decent player for them. Cam Reddish, you know, there's an argument to be made that he should have maybe embraced the catch-and-shoot role more because he's actually really great at it. It's one of the things he does, you know, very well, above average, according to league metrics. And the isolation stuff that he has the capabilities to do are a lot more kind of erratic. You know, sometimes there are great events, like great moments, like a couple weeks ago when he had 33 points, and there are some nights where it's very, you know, it's kind of all over the place. It's kind of out of control. So, but Knox, you don't have to worry about that. He's not going to be trying to do any of that stuff. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. So, him playing with Trey Young in their offense, he probably fits okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about the fit. Um, uh, you know, I'm also excited that NBA trade season has, has started. Uh, yeah. Um, and this isn't this isn't a move where I look at the Knicks and say this is a panic move or this is not at all blowing it up. This is a team that clearly I think is trying to make themselves better. Um, it's interesting. I mean, Cam Reddish along with R.J. Barrett are both going to be up for. Extensions this offseason. Yeah. And, and Woj, Woj was kind of couching this trade as... As an ability, as you an, know, for Cam yeah, Reddick to, to get an extension, which was, you know, I, as a Knicks fan, I was a little alarmed by that. I'm not going to lie, because, you know, let's be honest, I'm not going to just say, oh, everything was... And I'm like, oh, extension already? We haven't even seen you get on the court? Yeah, and Woj yeah. doesn't say that stuff unless he knows that... He knows that that's, this is what the Knicks are thinking. Yeah. So when you get to that point where you talk about, okay, we're already talking about extension for Cam Reddish... You know, RJ has had a really good stretch. He's had back-to-back 30-point games. We know his number is going to be a pretty sizable number when he gets his extension. It goes back to the original part of this uh, part of this conversation, which is, I think, where we have to wrap it is, is the third man on the way. <laughs> Zion. Yeah. And, and there are some people that are going on social media saying, oh, here we go, Nick fans going crazy and doing saying things that are just... But what I don't understand about that is th- there's some... Like, there are times where there are obvious co- dots to connect. And then you try to just connect those dots, and then people go on this thing about how Nick fans are all delusional and crazy. But, I mean, they have two of his college teammates on the roster. They traded for one of them. I mean, we know that Zion Williamson wanted to be a New York Nick during the draft lottery, during his uh, draft year. He talked about Madison Square Garden being his favorite place to play in the NBA. An absurd statement to stay for somebody who plays for another team. It's just it's just a, a logical step to make is that is this where the Knicks are looking at? Is this the move that they're looking to make potentially for Zion Williamson? One of the questions I posed is, and I guess I'll ask it to you, is if somehow Zion was available this this year, this trade deadline, and the Knicks right now, I think they're in eleventh. They're you know that that six to that seven to ten to eleventh spot right now in the Eastern Conference is all mumble and jumble with a bunch of teams that or at 500 or around 500. Do you make a trade for Zion Williamson at the trade deadline, knowing that he either might not be able to play at all, or if he plays, he's going to be trying to just get into shape because he hasn't played all season. Do you make that trade and blow up any chance of making the playoffs? That's what you would do if you made that trade yeah. season. Or I mean, do you yeah. wait till the off season to try to make an offer? Yeah. I mean, do you both agree that that's definitely going to be an offer that's going to be made? Like that to me, looks kind of obvious. I don't think that I'll be honest. Right now, as things stand, I don't think the Knicks have what it takes to get Zion. I agree with that. Um, I totally agree with that. Unless he does like a crazy force. I'm not. I'm done. I'm retiring from the game yeah. unless you know I'm playing in New York. Uh, which I mean, we've seen we've seen crazier things, but um, like Ben Simmons. But right. with that being said, you know, I would do that if if it came to that. If, if and and it yeah. felt like 
you know, the Pelicans were willing to play ball at this point, like got so untenable in fed by you know a month from now. I don't think it's gonna happen, but if that were if that were to happen, yeah, I would yeah, I would trade for him, punt this season, you know, your draft pick's gonna be great. <laughs> um and going into next year you're you're in now you may not have your draft pick, so that also right, maybe that would be a part of it. would would wanna maybe do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, Interesting. Now, again, what does that even mean? I mean, you're trading Randall. Do the Pelicans want Randall back? Is it, it would have to be a probably a three fourteen kind of deal, you know. And then even I, then, do the Knicks have the pieces outside of Barrett? You know, Barrett would be the. I mean, I mean Barrett would be untouchable in this in this yeah, conversation. Part of the whole point team. would be to, to to team up. You know, the three the, the, the NWO. Yeah, exactly. Kyle, Kyle oh, basketball's exactly. NWO. Right, and that's why Barrett. Not being included, I mean, I would say Toppin might be their best prospect overall. Um, yeah, I mean, and Toppin Barrett, and quickly, Toppin and quickly are are are, are gone automatically. Kind of, kind yeah, of trade. there's not even a conversation. So Those then guys, it becomes okay. You got to add a star. So I guess Randall, Randall goes someplace. He know. he goes somewhere. There, there's an issue with money because Zion still on his rookie deal. Randall just signed a, a pretty well. I guess he's still technically on this year's contract. So I guess you don't have to match the 18 million he's making this year. So it's not as hard um, in terms right. of finding the money. And to work. I mean, you all you gotta do is take back another bad contract. But you gotta take back a bad contract in their team. And I, I mean, you know, shout out to our brother Henry, the Pelicans <laughs> fan. I don't know their their salary cap situation well enough to know what their bad contracts are. You know, Ingram signed a big extension, but he's not a bad contract, I would say. Yeah. And he, you're not you're not getting Ingram in. Well, no, 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 it was Stephen um, Adams. Now they right, now, they got rid of Stephen Adams, Alan Tunis. Um, but he's actually a pretty good player. Right, um, another good player. I think the Knicks. If, I mean, if we're talking about a three-team deal, you can find a you can find somebody that somebody will take Randall. Right, you know, could you but, trade? Could you trade for Westbrook? You know, like oof. now that's a lot of money. But just right, in theory, yeah. like somebody Kevin Love or somebody that's you know floating on a team, right. uh, and where that team says, yeah, we'll take Julius Randall back. You know, in return, right, just to get just to get off this contract. Yeah, if you knew that, you were getting Zion, that 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 makes sense. You know, that's that's a good uh, that's good uh, uh I do ar- think, armchair GMing there, kind of. Yeah, it, I do think that this is where this could end. I don't think if I were to guess, I would say that this would anything like that would happen. We the the wheels would really start to turn in the off season, and then next. That's season, my that's my guess. Pretty, yeah, pretty young. next season could look like Damian Lillard this year, where it's like. When are they going to trade Zion? He's going to be a free agent. It, like if Zion doesn't sign the rookie extension, that you know, because he's going to be up for it along with Barrett and Reddish. If he doesn't sign it, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go into restricted free agency. That's going to be a real, a real message sent. Now the Pelicans aren't worried about restricted free agency, but they are worried about him saying, "I'm not signing the qualifying." Right. That's where it gets. That's where it gets dicey. You know, that's the power. Yeah, that's, and, that's a power then, move that KP made on the Knicks. That yeah, made them say, okay, I'll do a one year, play on an unrestricted, play as an unrestricted free agent for cheap, and then be be a Nick in two years. I mean, man, yeah, that's that's but, the move that would scare most teams. Very few players have actually gone through with it. No one's ever called a bluff. To be fair. Um, I don't think any star. I don't think any anybody that I don't think anybody that was offered a max deal has ever said, "No, nah, I'd rather take the qualifying offer." No, no. that doesn't. That doesn't. I mean, it's, it's 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 a insane play. Yes, <laughs> on its face value, you're talking about passing up 150 million dollars 
play on a nine-year, nine million dollar deal essentially for yes. one year, or depending on where you're drafted. I guess Marzion might be a little more, but you know, twelve, thirteen million dollars for one year, and hope you, you know, with his his health especially, hope you don't yeah. get hurt. Now you can actually with, make it. He's in the unique season. position where financially he's probably doing pretty well anyway, just based off endorsements. Yeah. Uh, so it's not one hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollars probably, but. Um, He's probably making more from Nike than he is from the Pelicans anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, again, I think that, that's, that 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 is where this could end, end up going. But it also could end up going in a situation where if it's not Zion and you have guys like Barrett and Reddish. And the I, other mean, guys not, I mean, that's, that's another nice, yeah. That's you a got, nice package you could use to get a Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard or someone or else like that, exactly. that may be available. So... But even if this isn't some grand scheme that they're putting together, from a value standpoint, you have to make that deal if you're yeah. trying to go big game hunting. Yeah, Cam Reddish as an asset is much better than Kevin Knox and uh, whatever the Hornets pick is going to be. Like, you don't know what it is. So, like, that, yeah. that alone, I mean, if you can go to the team and say, hey, I have Cam Reddish here, and we go pair him yeah, with you know, Toppin well. or pair him with a quickly or pair him with all the guys if you really want to get a big superstar. And, yeah, and he comes to New York and plays well, then now you got, you're cooking with gas there. So, you know, I think we both agree that this was a, a pretty strong move and a, and a very good gamble, low risk gamble by the New York Knicks. We'll continue to follow how his uh, how his his time uh, in New York goes. It's actually fascinating. The Knicks play the Hawks in Atlanta on Saturday. Reddish didn't play the last game. I wasn't sure why. I don't know if he's hurt or whatever. But um, I know there's a lot of COVID things that have been going on. But but Reddish didn't play the last game. But he he uh, but the Knicks are slated to be in Atlanta on Saturday. So. That would be very interesting. I, I posted on Twitter that I kind of wish that uh, Reddish would have announced his move to the Knicks like Seth Rollins announced his departure from the Shield by just hitting, you know, Trey Young in the back with a steel chair. <laughs> in WWE. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would have been a perfect way, you know, Leon Rose to come out to midcourt and be like, tonight is plan B. <laughs> and Rollins just gets, I mean, he's, uh, Reddish just cracks as Trey Young with a steel chair. That would have been, been the perfect kind of cherry on top after uh, what the Hawks did to the Knicks in the postseason last year, but let's uh, let's talk football. Let's talk about football for the rest of this podcast. Again, plenty of stuff happening in uh, in the NFL, and we of course we had a college football national champion. But let's begin in the NFL. So again, we had a really exciting Week 18. We saw an almost tie that was ruined by some of the terrible game management of of Brandon Staley of the Chargers. We saw uh, you know Ben Roethlisberger live to fight another day. We saw the 49ers come back from, from 17 down to make the playoffs and, and, and knock the Saints out of the postseason. And now here we go. We have the Super Wild Card Weekend, various big games here. We'll go through them all. We have the Raiders going to Cincinnati Saturday afternoon. The New England Patriots have a rematch with the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be played in like five-degree weather. It's going to be just an, an icicle in Orchard Park. So good luck to anybody including those players suiting up for that game. Philly goes to Tampa. San Francisco goes to Dallas. Pittsburgh, again, the last hurrah for Ben Roethlisberger, goes to KC. And the first ever Monday night football playoff game, a a, a wrinkle that I actually don't like, by the way. I don't think that it's fair that a team has to play on Monday night and have technically a short week if you win your game. So I didn't understand really why this is even happening. But, you know, ESPN (laughs) is giving the NFL a lot of money to, to make this happen. We have Arizona playing against the Rams on Monday Night Football. Kendall, on the surface, look at these matchups. Which one intrigues you the most? Um, 
the matchup that intrigues me the most, uh, to me, honestly, it's probably the matchup that intrigues people. Some some people at least. I mean, the the obviously that's that answer is Pittsburgh. It's not the Pittsburgh uh, Kansas City game. <laughs> Maybe second second least. Yeah. yeah, I would say the second least is uh, Vegas and Cincinnati. Um, Interesting. This is a game that you know I kind of feel like. First of all, I think whoever wins that game, we're gonna come out of it saying, "I think can a team win? Can a team go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, it's the team of destiny, or can they go all the way? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> can they I complete the dream? Yeah, you know, because they're gonna have to go through another team that we look at as kind of a scary team. Um, not like the Raiders are are great, but they've seemed to always <laughs> they have the luck on their side for I once yeah. uh, in the, in the, in this last decade or two, but. Um, but yeah, this Raider team is, is obviously you saw what happened last week. Uh, you mentioned the questionable uh, play, you know, decision making and game management from uh, from from the Chargers and Brandon Staley. Um, but they came off that that you know incredible uh, sequence uh, uh, in overtime in that game, and they feel like a team that you know is gonna it's gonna take a lot to beat them with the way Derek Carr is is, is playing and. Um, the way a guy like Max Crosby is playing and Crosby is just oh. it's just an animal, man. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a game he's record, re- relentless going after the pass, the rushing the pass on. Yeah, and and that that is going to be a big deal going up against uh, a Cincinnati offensive line that yeah, while has been slightly better than they were last year, is still one of the worst in the league. You know, Joe Burrow, I believe, leads the league in sacks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I I expect to see a heavy dose of Max Crosby. Uh, in this game, um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about two really, really exciting teams, uh, and I think this could be, this could be a game that tells us a lot about both both franchises. So, I'll go with the I'll go with the the, the Raiders in the in the Bengals. I, I also really am looking forward to that game because I feel like the the you know I know I don't know much about the Raiders, but the Bengals to me look like. A team, and you know, whenever you bet on the Bengals, that's when things go bad. But oh, yeah, the, the Bengals look like the kind of team where you're like, man, uh, if they could really get this going, and it seemed like they were getting it going, then obviously they lost that last game of the year, but nobody cares about that. Like, you know, because they weren't really playing too, for anything. The Bengals are the kind of team with the, the, the high level talent that they have and the offensive weapons that they have that if they get this thing going, they could be a really tough out in the AFC. So I get being interested in that game. Also, two kind of poverty franchises, you know, back in the yeah, yeah. So there's that kind of intrigue as well, and of course, you know, they got rewarded by saying here's the 4:30 slot on Saturday. You know, NFL not giving them <laughs> much respect there. I'm gonna go to a, a old classic rivalry. Um, it was kind, of, it made me sad when I heard Kyle Shanahan say that none of his players know anything about the the Cowboys and 49ers rivalry because I'm 30 years old. I don't, I don't consider myself that that old and i was you know like i was like a baby when these two teams were playing in the playoffs every year and really pretty much deciding who was going to win the super bowl in the nfc you know in the nfc championship game or whatever they were playing in the nfc playoffs but this this i mean it, to me that's a game that's a clearly a very historic game it's like if you know the nfl the history of the nfl and the history of those two yeah. franchises I mean, multiple decades worth yeah, I mean, come on, 49ers and Cowboys, you don't know that? That was a little disturbing to me. But nonetheless, that's the game that I'm definitely most intrigued by because to me, as the great Jalen Rose always says, styles make fights. I think this is like the perfect matchup for these two teams. They're great foils for each other because 
Dallas, we know they have the kind of supernova kind of talent, though they did lose Michael Gallup, and that is a, a big loss. But, you know, Dak, Lamb, Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, has been a little up and down this year. You know, he's been dealing with a, a bit of a knee injury. But we know the kind of supernova talent they have on offense and supernova talent they have on defense. But I feel like one of the things we've seen from them this season and one of the things that does concern me for this game is I feel like to beat Dallas, Dallas can outscore and out-talent almost any team in the NFL. Like, they can run with anybody. We saw that week one when they played against the Buccaneers. And we've seen them beat good teams where they just out-talented some of these teams. But if you're going to beat Dallas, I think a sure way to do it is to just punch them in the face and, and, and to bully them around a little bit. I felt yeah. like Arizona a couple of weeks ago kind of showed a little bit of that blueprint of how to beat the Dallas Cowboys is to just be more physical. And Kendall, there's not a more physical team in the NFL than the San Francisco 49ers. You're talking yeah. about Kittle. You're talking about Debo Samuel. You're talking about that great offensive line. You're talking about that great front seven. Yeah, This is a team that's extremely physical. We saw them take the fight to, uh, to Los Angeles. I think they gained some confidence from that win because that was the kind of game I don't think anybody thought they could win. A game where they get down 17 points. And now, despite Garoppolo struggling in that game, they have to try to find a way to, to kind of make some big plays and pull their way out of it. They use some trick plays to do it. Garoppolo, to his credit, made some throws also to get them to that point. So now they have the confidence saying, look, we can even get down in the game and still just punch you in the face enough <laughs> to battle our way back into it and, and, and take the game away from another team. So they come into Dallas with a lot of confidence. You know, Dallas, I know they, they, they pounded Philadelphia's third stringers, but I, I think that, that Arizona loss is going to leave them a little more scar tissue than maybe we're realizing because we had the Philly game that came right after it. That's a very good game. That's a very good game. I think that's going to be a field goal kind of game. I cannot wait. I mean, consider the legacy of these two franchises and how many years they've gone back and forth in the postseason. That's the one that I'm looking forward to. What scares me about that game is it's the cliche, you know, the the trendy the trendy upset pick becomes it is. Yeah, and this Dallas team strikes me as the kind of team that you don't want to wake them up. I know? do agree with you. You want to catch them kind of sleepy, like Arizona did a couple of weeks ago. Um, they seem to be the kind of team that responds to that kind of uh, to that kind of message. It may not matter if you're facing Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. It may not matter what people are saying about you. But when you're facing this Niner team that is not as talented, obviously, as this team. Um, you may want to be able to catch him a little sleepy, a little uh, this and that. Now, obviously, the Rams had motivation going into that game against San Fran, having lost five in a row against San Francisco, and people saying McVay can't beat Shanahan, and it still didn't matter. But nope. this Ram, that Rams team, I think, might be wired a little differently than this uh, this Cowboys team is. Um, but it's going to come down to Dak, man. You know, Dak, he played excellent, like he said, in that Philly game. But outside of that, he's been – He's been below average. Yeah, he's been struggling since for a he while. came back from the calf injury. Yeah, um, he's missed a lot of throws. He's had moments where his accuracy comes and goes, and that's never really been Dak Prescott no. um, since he's been in the NFL. He's been very accurate with the ball. So, I mean, I, you know, we'll see how he plays this week. Uh, but he is—he's definitely one of the guys with a with a with 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 a big with, with a big amount of pressure coming coming onto him this week. Who would you say is the is the player right now that has the most pressure going into? Ooh, this? I like that question. Player with the most pressure. Coming I have a into, guy. But I want to see if you're if you're on the same. 
run the same way. To me, to me, it's Matthew Stafford. 100%. Yeah, it's Matthew Stafford because, I mean, I had the Rams going to the Super Bowl before the season, but I told you before the season I was very concerned about Matthew Stafford. To me, I was yeah. like, look, the talent, they have the most talent. So, I, I mean, they're the team that I would pick. But, man, Stafford scares me a little bit, and I've seen more and more from him in the second half of this season that continues to scare me. And right now it, it's it's with the turnovers. You know, Stafford has been unable to kind of, you know, keep the turnovers low, ensure that his team can win the turnover battle week to week. And turnovers in any football game is massive, but turnovers in playoff games, if you lose the turnover battle, you almost always lose. It's just, I mean, you just have no chance. Yeah, there's a small margin for error. Yeah, the margin for error is so small in the postseason. And he's going up against the Arizona defense that is not the greatest, but can take the ball away. That, if there's anything they can do, yeah. that's the one thing they do pretty well. And, you know, and they they flashed, again, I thought they flashed some physicality that maybe we hadn't seen from them in that Dallas game, which was a little surprising. But they can absolutely take the ball away from you. Isaiah Simmons is starting to really come on. He's starting to play better. He's starting to play better. So that's the player to me that has the most pressure. You have a home game. Uh, it's going to be Monday Night Football now, the first ever Monday Night Football playoff game. So there's nowhere to hide, you know, nowhere to hide in any playoff game. But yeah. everybody, the only game on that night, everybody's watching you. Yeah. Monday Night Hating Football. Hating Eli, you watch me. Yeah, divi- you got divisional rival coming into your stadium. First playoff game at SoFi Stadium. This is, yeah, this he's the guy. And and and, and from what I've seen from him recently, it, it is concerning. Can't it's, so, it's so funny because I think the view, if I were to ask you who's the coach with the most to, with the most pressure, it's Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, that's fair. It, I'd agree. It, it, so, like, that's... Well, seems- I, I, I might go Mike McCarthy... But th- that's a good. Th- I think it's one of those two guys. Right, right. You can you can tell me on McCarthy. I just think McCarthy. He's done such a good job in the regular season. Um, but but yeah, he still gets no respect. Yeah. So, still, so to me, like because of that, it's like man, if they lose a, a ten and seven team, <laughs> and when they thought they were going to the Super Bowl, you know, you know how Dallas Cowboys fans are. <laughs> right. That's that's not going to end well for him. No, it's not going to end well. But no, but I agree. Cliff Kingsbury, I think, does come in with, with a great deal of pressure considering how they kind of fell apart and they kind of put it back together, but then they lost the last game of the season to the Seahawks. You know, thanks, by the way, as a Jet fan. You know, <laughs> the Jets are trying to get a top eight or seven pick, and, and the Seahawks miraculously beat the Cardinals, with the Cardinals had something to play for a little bit in terms of seeding. Yeah. So, so yeah, there, there's, there's – Yeah, uh, Russ burned back the clock. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we didn't see that Russ all season. And perhaps I was Russ trying to – show a future GM, hey, man, this is what I can still do. <laughs> yeah. y'all didn't realize if I get a better offensive line. So, yeah, no, I, I do agree Kermit would be the coach. But, yeah, Stafford, to me, is definitely the player. Me and you agree on that. Yeah, and I, the last the last one I'll mention, the coach and, and, and quarterback combination that I think should have a little bit of pressure on them, but no one's really talking about it, I think Buffalo. I do, um, This is a game. You're at home. I know the weather. I know it's going to be cold out there. You know, uh, don't listen to Bart Scott's advice. Oh, you know, Jesus. yes. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen, whatever, you, whatever you do, don't listen to anything. Bart yeah, that should, that should be written on <laughs> stone somewhere. Um, yeah, but put yeah, that, put but, put that on your QB wristband. Don't listen to Bart Scott. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think Buffalo is in a situation where you know this. They got some demons to exercise. I know they. We thought they did that a couple weeks ago up in Foxborough mm-hmm. when they beat that team, uh, but. 
this is the real. This yeah, is the real. it's almost like the fact that they have to play them again. Almost, it totally eliminates that game. Yeah, it just tells you, know? you nah, you guys, you guys thought you. It's like it's like you're playing a video game. And like, right. you're like, oh, I beat the game. I beat the level. Like, yeah, this is, this is actually the final boss. Yeah. Like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so that that's that's what this feels like. Um, you're going right back to the same place that you know the same exact scenario, same situation, right? You, same conditions. Like it's it's very weird. Um. I think they'll win this game. I feel pretty good about it. But if they don't, there's going to be people wondering, all right, McDermott, you had clearly the better the better team, clearly the better quarterback. What happened? How did you get outcoached by Belichick again? Because that's what's going to happen. If they lose this game, it's going to be because McDermott got outcoached to a degree. Or Josh Allen play, didn't play well. So that's why those guys have the pressure on them. Mac Jones, I would be shocked if we come away with this game saying, saying, yeah, Mac Jones and the Patriots offense just shredded Buffalo. Yeah. Um, now, Sean McDermott's a defensive coach, but still, if he gets out coached, um, I mean, the Bills got out coached on Monday night yeah, earlier this season. Right. We're going to start looking at him a little bit. I mean, the Bills, you know, they had the best defense in the NFL, I think, for the yards allowed this season. Like, you know, I know the first game against Mac Jones, to be fair, he only threw three times, but. I mean, it's the third time you've seen Mac Jones in that offense, and you can't find a, you can't find a game plan that just snuffs them out. I mean, that would be that would be a bad look for that whole franchise, in my opinion. So let's quickly go around the horn, Kendall, and get these picks here. So, Bengals and Raiders. I'm gonna go with the Bengals uh, in this Saturday afternoon affair. That's gonna become a night affair, I guess, by the time the game's over. But a Saturday afternoon start. I'm going with the Bengals because I think the Raiders won their Super Bowl in that last game. You know, it was a game everybody was watching. I think, you know, for their season to be validated for all of the the trials and tribulations that they went through, making the playoffs was going to be what they needed. I think they got there. I think for Derek Carr, people putting pressure on him saying, you know, you're supposed to be a top-end quarterback, but you haven't been in the playoffs since you were like a a kid, basically, since you were like your second year in the league. So, you know, where are you? Where do you really stack up in this league? I think a lot of people exercise a lot of demons by beating – the, the Chargers on Saturday, on Sunday night. I don't, you know, it's a playoff game. They're going to play hard, but I think that's going to be kind of tough to get back up again for a big game like that and to, for it to be on the road. I think the Bengals have been waiting for this moment. I think the Bengals take them out. Um, I think this game comes down to the Bengals. You know, I kind of feel like the Raiders, we kind of know what they are. We kind of know I do agree with that. how they're going to play. Really, it's, it's about how does, you know, how does Joe Burrow play? I feel like I trust Joe Burrow. I feel like I trust Jamar Chase and, and their weapons on offense. Um, but it's the Bengals, you know, and I hate to be that guy who's like, yeah, but the franchise, um, like the Clippers last year, but, you know, because the Clippers for the most part, you know, they showed up, uh, but injuries kind of like screwed them over. Um, but that's that's how it feels with the team where I'm like, on paper, they should have no problem. But they're a young team. You know, it's a franchise that's been snake bitten. You know, I you sort of feels like this may be the it's maybe a year where like where we're like just there a year away. Um, I'm gonna go with the Bengals because everything on paper and everything in my head says Joe Burrow's not gonna let them lose this game. Jamar Chase not gonna let them lose this game. But I this is this is one where I don't feel good. Yeah, I I I don't I would I would, I would understand not feeling good about. It. I also think that the Raiders. I mean, if they have a weakness, I think it's in the secondary. And I, I feel like Jamar yeah. Chase is going to – he's going to get loose on them at some point in this game. 
So I'm going yeah. with the, the Bengals. Uh, let's talk. We talked a lot about this this Patriots and Buffalo Bills game. I'm going to go Bills because they're just way more talented than the Patriots. Though this one, I think, is is this is like this is to me the real trap game to me of all the games to pick. It looks obvious to say Buffalo because of the talent, but Bill Belichick, you know, game planning for a team, and he already had a game plan that worked for him in these conditions earlier in the season. Uh, that scares me a little bit, but I think you're gonna it's gonna take a little bit more than Matt Jones throwing the ball a couple times to beat Buffalo in a home game for for the playoffs for a chance to continue their season. So I'm gonna say Buffalo takes this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with Buffalo as well. Um, I feel pretty good about this one. Um, I think Josh, I think we're going to see a really great performance from, from the Buffalo offense, Mm -hmm. even in the, in the harsh conditions. Um, you know, I don't think that they all have as much trouble as they did last, last game against new England in, in Buffalo, because, you know, obviously look, the wind will still be strong, but it may not be as strong as it was before. And, you know, I think these this team has much big. They have a much bigger chip on their shoulder than I think New England does. I think New England, while yes, they hear the people saying they're not the favorites and this and that, they're overachieving just being in the playoffs right now with a rookie quarterback. Um, this Buffalo team, they need to win this game. You know, their 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 legacy. You know, there are a lot of guys will not be there next year if they don't if they don't win this game. They're gonna re, probably reshape the roster quite a bit if if they can't get by this New England team. So I think I think New England's gonna gonna. I mean, I think Buffalo's gonna win this game. I think they'll win it fairly easily. Mm, mm, fairly easily. Okay. Let's uh let's do Philly going to Tampa Bay. I think that Philly's gonna get mauled in this game. I told you that off air. You know, a couple of days ago. I mean, Nick Sirianni. You know, he deserves. We need to put respect on his name. Because yes. everybody was 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 just like saying this guy, you know, couldn't manage his way out of a paper bag, and here he is in the postseason with a team that I think we all agree is kind of you know not one of the more talented teams in the league. He got Jalen Hurts to play some good football, so put some respect on Sirianni and Jalen Hurts' name. So credit to them. But I mean, Tampa Bay, I I, I just there's not going to be kind of a sleepwalking here, and you know the AB saga you know happened, and it seems like they've been able to kind of move forward now. So I expect a great performance from Tom Brady. I expect him to roll over Philly. Um, I I expect Tampa to win. Tampa doesn't strike me as the kind of team that's going to blow blow them out. Um, this could look kind of like maybe not as close as the Washington game was last year, but I think Philly will be in it for a half. Um, okay. You know, I think they'll be in it for a half, and I think I think Tampa. Uh, will break away. Um, but this is another game. It's going to be uh, not great conditions. It's going to be very cold. Um, it, it, yeah, at least it's supposed wait, to rain. In, in, oh, in Tampa? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to rain. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's not yeah. cold in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's supposed <laughs> well, to that'd be That'd be news to me. You talk about global warming and climate change. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but rainy. Uh, yeah. Okay. That, that, yeah, will, that be, does help Philly. Yeah, it's supposed to rain pretty bad, and so if the if the if the running game for Philly can get going, uh, which you know they're going to run the ball 30, 40 times <laughs> in this game, um, the problem is that uh, good luck running it to Vita Vea. Uh, you know, um, if there's any team you can run, yeah. you can't run the ball against, it's it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, look, the, the Jets learned the hard way trying to do a fourth and two 
with you know Vita Vea and Dominican Tuz is waiting. And Zach Wilson right in the quarterback. Right in the middle. And Zach Wilson. <laughs> trying, to push, trying to push the pile. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we learned the hard way. Yeah, that's not the way to go. Um, and that's going to be important because yeah. Miles Sanders has actually ran the ball really well for them. Um, yeah, exactly. Of late, which um, is, you know, again, great adjustment by Nick Sirianni because, you know, earlier they weren't early in the ball at all. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's funny. If there was a power ranking of quarterbacks that I wouldn't want running a QB sneak, I think Zach Wilson, like <laughs> 31, maybe behind Kyler, in front of Kyler. <laughs> Um, yeah, he'd be the very other, high there. The, the other, the other thing I mentioned about that game is that, man, this Philly team hasn't beaten the playoff team all year. So, yeah, you know, that has to be said as well. You know, can they, you know, are they kind of, is it smoke and mirrors kind of? Yeah, they caught some know, teams they, that didn't have their quarterbacks too. Like, they they yeah. actually lost to the Giants when they had Daniel Jones. You know? <laughs> yeah. They beat yeah. the Giants when Daniel Jones was out. So, you know, they, they, they you know, again, putting respect on their name, we know that they had a good season, but, you know, there's some there's some stuff in there that got them yeah. to this point for sure. So every team has luck. a ceiling. And, yeah, I, I and, every, like team, and every, team needs, every team needs luck to, to do anything. So, yeah. So, so that's that's their thing. So, I, I, I hear you on that. Let's, uh, let's do this San Francisco Dallas Cowboys game. I'm going with the I'm going with the Niners, man. I'm going with the Niners. It's my it's my major, you know, uh, uh, upset pick for the weekend, and it's because of a couple of things. So number one, if I look in the playoffs, I want to say who's the who's the coaches. Uh, you got Shanahan versus uh, McCarthy. I'm going with Shanahan. Who's the more physical team? I'm going with the Niners. Who can control the clock better? Consistently, San Francisco can run the football. Elijah Mitchell has been a revelation for them. Dallas has struggled running the football in the second half of the season. Zeke's been going through some of his injuries. They don't have Tony Pollard. So now it's like, okay, well, is Dak just going to just light it up against this team? Against that defense and pass rush? I, I don't know. I don't I don't see that happening. So I'm going to go with an upset pick. Picking Jimmy Garoppolo scares me, but I'm going with the Niners. Yeah, I, I was just about to say until that last point, I was about to say you mentioned everything, but uh, who's the quarterback? <laughs> I mean, yeah, fair enough. You know, <laughs> you're dodging the most important. It, it's like it's like a presidential debate. You know, sometimes you got it. You got you got your talking points, and then some things you want to leave out. You know, so the public doesn't doesn't understand or doesn't get you know you know the other issues with your with your with your larger issue. I get it. And for that reason, uh, I feel like chopped or uh, whatever show it is, whatever shark came at it. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm I'm going with uh, what you call it, Dallas. For that reason, the quarterback, um, Jimmy G. Even when the Niners win, I feel like Jimmy G. Doesn't play great. Yeah, you know, and particularly in these games and these moments, you know, he made enough plays in that Rams game for them to win. Um, you know, we but we saw when they played Tennessee a couple of weeks ago in a in a big spot, we saw him really struggle and, and miss throws and keep them out of the game. Um, I I I'm concerned about that. Um, you know, I don't think there's a situation where we're gonna we're gonna see Trey Lance, but um, I think Dallas wins this game. I'm not gonna say they're gonna blow them out, but you know, I think this could be a you know a touchdown, two touchdown kind of game. I don't think wow. it's Interesting. Okay. Uh, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. This is where uh, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, put old Yeller out of out of his misery. Shout out to Randy Cruz. He he came up with that really great video of uh, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I see this game. You know, you know Ben Roethlisberger obviously had a great career for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And somehow that team made the playoffs despite – 
just their midness, I would say, if that's a word. Yeah. But they have, they, I mean, they have no chance in this game. This to me is like the Philly game. You know, the both, both. I know, you know, you know, you know, we have roots in Pennsylvania right now. Sorry to the Pennsylvania teams, but I think you're getting stomped on both these games. So, uh, the the Ty- Tyreek Hill stuff is something to keep an eye on. I don't like him being so hurt right now, but I don't think it didn't. It didn't. It didn't look good last week. No, it did not look good, and that's something to keep an eye on for the rest of these post postseason. But it won't matter this week. I guess the Chiefs big. Um. Did you see Ben Roethlisberger, you know, trying to motivate them? Yeah, he said we don't got a shot, right? Yeah, yeah, he's uh he's completing his transformation from Big Ben to Old Ben, going with uh, <laughs> the Jedi mind trick. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, I don't think it's gonna work. <laughs> Yo, that's a great reference, Big Ben to Old Ben. I love that. One. <laughs> hey, shout out to our mom. She's been calling him Old Ben for the last like. <laughs> <month. laughs> that's but, awesome, man. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> you know, Roethlisberger. I actually expect him to play well. I expect Ben to give us some moments of vintage Ben. I expect Najee Harris to play play well. Um, and, I mean, because it's Kansas City defense. They've played better, but it's still not great. Um, with that being said, yeah, Kansas City is going to win. Uh, I think this will be closer than the experts think. Shout out to Lee Corso. But uh, do not, I don't expect any sort of upset to come here. Last one we got here, Monday Night Football, Rams, Cardinals. By the way, I, I, again, as I said earlier, I really love when we have rematches from teams within their divisions playing in the playoffs. I just, I don't know, it just adds to the chess match that we have here. These two teams split in the regular season. I'm going to take the Rams, but I don't feel good about this one. This one, to me, is the hardest game for me to pick. But I'm going to go with the Rams because of the injuries the Cardinals have dealt with. they It sounds like they may be getting J.J. Watt back, which is definitely uh, a good sign, potentially, if he can go. But uh, I just don't know offensively, though, you know, the weapons that, that Kyle Murray is, is playing with right now. You're talking about A.J. Green and Kirk being his, you know, his number one and two receivers at this point. And we got to see if Rondell Moore can go. And I think that pass rush is going to get after them. You know, uh, I like what I started to see from Von Miller. He like maybe he was starting to turn the corner for the Rams in that last game. We already know what Aaron Donald could do. So the weakness of the Cardinals offense being that offensive line, we saw them wreak havoc when they played on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. I think we'll see a similar story playing at home. I got the Rams. Um, my uh, <laughs> look, my preseason Super Bowl pick was, was the Cardinals. Yes, it was. Um, I. I probably don't feel as great about it now as I did when I made the pick, which is crazy because (laughs) they weren't like a contender when I made the pick. But uh, they've they've went such an up and down that I I don't know if I I feel great about it. But with that being said, I'm going to stick with the Cardinals uh, this week. It's hard to beat a team twice in a row like that when you just played them. Arizona remembers that feeling of getting embarrassed on Monday night. the, the the score may have been closer than it was, but they weren't they weren't going to win that game. Um, it, it, to me, I think we got to see a really great Kyler Murray performance. You know, yeah. I know if they lose this game, everyone's going to start looking at Cliff Kingsbury as a bum. But Kyler is the guy that's really got to make this team tick. And when he plays great, they're a hard team to beat. Um, so I, I mean, hopefully, hopefully he plays well. I, this is one where I think this is pretty much a pick 'em. I think this will be very close. Um, but I like the I like the Cardinals. 
Interesting. Cardinals. Okay, here we go. So, do you have uh, a uh, real quick? Do you have a updated uh, Super Bowl pick? Assuming I don't um, know if they're still alive. So but. before the before the season, I had the Rams over. I don't remember who had an AFC. Uh, East. My I, my, I don't know if I had the Chiefs going three years in a row. I don't. I don't I, that that doesn't sound like something I would have done. <laughs> then why someone's gonna go back to the <laughs> That's exactly what you said. Um, I know I had the Rams winning. And I do not feel good about that. Right now, I think that the Packers are the team to beat. I think they're yeah. the team to beat. Yeah, right now, I, I'm I'm going – I had before the season, I had Ravens, uh, Cardinals. You know, I did not realize Lamar would be in a coma for the last month of the season. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo winning the AFC. And, and I'm going to go with Arizona winning the NFC. And I'm going to stick with uh, – I'm gonna stick with with Arizona. Okay, interesting. So let's uh let's talk about real quickly. Black Monday came and went. We had seven NFL coaching firings. So the Giants moved off from Joe Judge. Of course, we already knew about the Jacksonville Jaguar situation. They're looking for a new coach. Um, Vic Fangio done in Denver. Um, we had uh, uh, coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, Matt Nagy is done. Your guy, Mike Zimmer out in minnesota one of the major surprises we had though uh brian flores out in south florida after pretty successful first two se- first two or three seasons for them especially the last two seasons he had with miami you know they were just a hair away from making the playoffs in both seasons so oh in total we have seven seven openings coming up in this uh cycle which is i guess the, i think is, is exactly the average right on the dot is usually seven every year Raiders and Jaguars, of course, will, you know, we'll see how the Raiders situation goes, but I'm assuming they will at least have some interviews for some new coaches. I think to me, the, the biggest, the two biggest stories to me are the Giants and the, and the Dolphins. I think a lot of those other teams we all kind of expected. I think yeah. the Giants reached a conclusion that was obvious to anybody that had a pulse, but somehow it took them forever to get to. Joe Judge had to go. The guy was conducting himself like just a complete clown for the last three, four weeks. And I thought it was ridiculous. We talked about it in the podcast a couple weeks ago that they they kind of put out that, you know, it wasn't something that, that, you know, Mara came out and said, but they put out through source reporting that, oh, you know, Daniel Jones and Joe Judge are safe and they'll be back next season. And it was just a pathetic kind of sign to the Giant fans who have watched just pathetic football for the past, I don't know, five or six seasons at this point. And, and it showed a really a true lack of reading the room from that ownership to look at how the Giants were looking week to week and say, no, Joe Judge is our guy. A team that was undisciplined, a team that didn't play hard for him, and a team that was uh, consistently in up from week to week. And to watch that game on Sunday against the Washington football team, the team that he said were the, quote, clown organizations. Uh, yeah, clown <laughs> The clown show, the clown show teams that were punching each other on the on the on the sidelines, to watch them play against that quote unquote clown show team and QB sneak on second down and third down, deep in their own territory, I'm like, yo, what am I watching here? So, I don't know, you know, Mara had to have a meeting with Judge, and I guess Judge laid out his plan for the future. Apparently, Judge wanted to say in who the GM was going to be, which was just insane to me. And the Giants came to their senses and moved on from Joe Judge. That, unsurprising. Brian Flores thing, much more surprising. 
only in the sense that only in the sense of success he had. Now, when it comes to black coaches in the NFL, we know the deal. So, in that sense, it wasn't surprising. But it's it's it is surprising in the sense that look, this is a, a Jaguar, of a, a Dolphins team that was uh, one in seven that couldn't just couldn't find their way at all. They had injuries, of course, injuries to the quarterback, a big deal. They had all the Deshaun Watson rumors and. I think that easily could have folded. Easily could have folded and said, you know what, whatever, we're just, you know, one, two, three, Cancun for the rest of the season. And they battled. They battled their way right into playoff contention, which is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, they had that terrible performance two weeks ago that, you know, knocked them out. But they they ended up having a solid season, you know, back-to-back winning seasons in Miami, first time in a long time. That's happened. Brian Flores seemed to be doing a decent job. So to move on from him, this it makes this it's this suggestion that somehow the Dolphins underachieved and that there's somehow this this other level they can get to. I don't quite understand that. You hear the rumors about the issues between him and Greer that that seems to make more sense as to why he may be gone and some of the relationships that he was I guess not able to build with some of the people in the front office and the players. But I don't know. I, I keep you know I feel like with a lot of these black coaches sometimes the lack of building relationships tends to be like the the, the 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 way that they get these guys out of here who have any kind of success you know and i'm starting to kind of kind of raise my eyebrow at how many times i got to hear about a young black coach who didn't make good relationships and that's why he has to be fired you know when they have especially when they've they, they've moved their teams in the right direction so i didn't quite understand the miami thing you know and if i buyer beware to any coach that takes that job because the 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 dolphins have been a poverty organization for the last 20 years basically yeah yeah no i mean um joe judge it was a situation (laughs) the thing that the thing about the joe judge thing that i i I honestly think that mara john mara didn't want to fire joe judge i don't think he wanted to either you know i think the the media you know uh firestorm and the fan base firestorm was coming too hot for even him to handle um, I don't think he wanted to fire him, not necessarily for what was going on on the field or off the field, but more so because there's been a lot of turnover yes. since uh, since Tom Coughlin left. I mean, I totally forgot about Ben McAdoo. Yeah, um, yeah, Bob, you know, yeah, yeah, Ben McAdoo, yeah. The name I hadn't heard in like <laughs> two, three years Yeah, until he was brought up a couple of days ago as a guy who you know was there for two years and was out. And then we had Pat Shermer. You know who was you know who was there for two years and then he was out. Like you can't you can't have that. You don't want to do that again. You know you can't have three coaches, really four if you count Spagnuolo, who's an interim. Four coaches in six years is chaos. Yeah, and three 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 coaches, all three of them only got two years and they were gone. Yeah, three coaches with two years is chaos. You know, and and so I think that that Mara didn't want to bite the bullet, but I think he understood. He might as well rip the bandaid off now and see if we can hire somebody um, that makes sense. I mean, look, let's let's think about the guys they've hired. Judge, nobody knew who he was. Ben McAdoo, I mean, we knew who he was, but, you know, <laughs> still kind of don't know who he is. Yeah, you know, he's, he, he did a good job as a Giants offensive coordinator, but, you know, it, it was kind of uninspired still because, you know, you're just yeah. promoting a guy that was on your team that wasn't doing well anyway. Yeah, and Shermer obviously had, had – success great success in minnesota uh with case keenum and had been a head coach before um but never a winning head coach right uh, never been a winning head coach yeah all. never been a winning head coach uh obviously he was in cleveland so 
you know, those were all sort of out of the box, not conventional hires. I would say Shermer may be the most conventional, but not something that was like a slam dunk. Obviously, head coaching hires for the most part aren't slam dunks in general. But they didn't hire somebody that, in in many of these cases, that was, you know, the best candidate necessarily, or the best person out yeah. there that everybody wanted. I never, um, I never thought after any of those hirings that they got their guy, at all. Yeah, not not one. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I mean, when you're going into this this coaching cycle, um, I mean, the differences. They, I mean, McAdoo and Schirmer were offensive guys. Judge was a special teams guy. They haven't really brought in a defensive coach. Um, so if you want to try that, uh, and and ultimately, you got to build a coach that has who can build. And I know this is these are buzzwords, and you know it's kind of why they brought in Judge. But you need somebody who can bring in culture. You know, somebody who can bring in, I know. you know, a, a real foundation. And and they, that's why they brought in Judge, and he did the exact opposite. Um, but I don't. I, it's really hard to pinpoint what direction the Giants go in now. Um, but they've got to, they've got to try something. Cause yeah, just I mean, yeah. I mean, I saw someone tweet that they, uh, you know, they, they passed on Wink Martindale last time when they got judged, you know, do you go back to Wink this time around? It's weird about the Giants is their defense is actually okay. So you would still think like, well, maybe we should get an offensive coach, but they, they, again, they sometimes it's not a problem. They wouldn't. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's not the issue. Sometimes it's really about getting a good OC. And, right, exactly. Yeah, you need somebody have to with a pure offense per se. Um, And the one thing people also lose sight of too when you're hiring coaches is, you know, defensive. There's no one who knows offensive schemes better than defensive coaches. Yeah, they no coach against know, these teams. Yeah, there was no. There's no one who would know the the best young offensive coaches. Right, the guys. Best yeah, offensive coaches in the league uh, than the guys who have the game plan against. Them, yeah, and guys, that, you know, and what what schemes and what trends are, are are going in the right direction. So this idea that oh, because you get defensive guy, that means you're 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 neglecting Your the offense. Mistake. That doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that you know. Yeah. Now, yeah, the Flores thing is is crazy. I mean, you got to look at Chris Greer. Uh, clearly, there was a there's a political battle going on. Yeah. Um, in that front office and in that organization. Chris Greer won. It's a little strange considering he's been there for 20 years. And, and he's the one who drafted Tua over uh, Justin Herbert. He was, uh, yeah, obviously he was the one that drafted Tua over Herbert. But, you know, he's been in the organization for 20 years. Um, he hasn't been the GM the entire time, but he's been the GM for a while now. And they haven't, you know, they, they haven't won anything. You know, at what point do you say, well, maybe we shake things up and maybe try whatever Brian Flores is is, is, is uh, considering. But we'll see who they hire. Um, but yeah, I, and it's crazy because I would have when the when the Dolphins were one and seven, and it sounded like Flores was on the hot seat. I didn't get it then. I was like, right. this team they overachieved last year, and now the expectations move super high, and they turned it around anyway, and they, he, he gets fired anyway. So um, that was strange. I mean, to me, I think the uh, the the jobs that are most attractive to me are are the Raiders if it opens up, and Right now, the way Basachi has done the job he's done, I would, I would consider giving him another chance. I would too. You know, I really like his demeanor, and and I think Minnesota has to be exciting. Obviously, I am a Vikings fan, but you know, if you're a coach and you're saying to yourself, "Where can I turn around this thing in a, in a quick manner of time?" 
uh, in a quick matter of time, I would say Minnesota with Justin Jefferson with, you know, you have a quarterback. You may not love the quarterback, but you have a quarterback. And with Dalvin Cook, obviously, Adam Thielen, um, you have the offensive talent. So particularly if you're an offensive coach. Defensively, it's a lot to, there's a lot that you've got to shore up there. Um, so, yeah, I think Minnesota is going to be a team. There's rumors that Doug Peterson uh, is, is, is interested and that he's telling other teams, you know, you're going to have to wait till I interview with Minnesota <laughs> if you want an answer from me. And then there's other rumors out there that Lane Kiffin is interested well, look, uh, at, the coach, at the coaching Jalen Rager and some of those receivers that he had to coach, you know, he's coaching former quarterbacks at receivers. Yeah. Like, he, he, he's Justin Jefferson. He's yeah, like, yeah, sign yeah, me I don't up, think man. that that's, you know, that irony, I don't think he, he, he remembers yeah. when they drafted Jalen Rager a pick before Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Um, and he remembers, I mean, the, the on the Zoom, there, there's a Zoom, you know, video out there when the Vikings – we're getting ready to take Justin Jefferson. And right after the Eagles pick Jalen Rager, you know, Spielman and Zimmer just giggling, you know, like, you know, laughing, saying, yeah, we're taking Justin Jefferson. Put it, put in the card. Um, because they knew, they knew that they had fleeced Philadelphia. So all those things, you know, are in the back of Doug Peterson's mind. Plus, where did he win his last Super Bowl? Uh, or his only Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he won it in Minneapolis. Ah, right. That's right. They won it in that stadium. So, uh, all those things I would imagine are, are in the back of his mind. Uh, and the Lane Kiffin rumors uh, that are, you know, being put out there by, uh, uh, I want to say his name, Mike Maurice, uh, the guy who, who, he's on Dan Levitar's show a lot, kind of broke okay. a lot of the Miami. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, really good on that. <laughs> yeah, he broke, broke a lot of the Miami crystal ball stuff. He said that he'll be, he, he said Lane Kiffin is probably going to be the coach of the Vikings, is what he said. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Based off of what he's like, why the hell would the Vikings do that? I don't it, look, what I'll say is, look, it's a shakeup from. Uh, yeah, it is a, it is a shakeup. It's, it's totally a shakeup from Zimmer. Totally um, different personality. Totally different. Everything. The one thing people have floated out there is, if you get Lane Kiffin, do you also draft Matt Corral and say we're going to do like the the Kingsbury Kyler thing where we're going to take two guys who've been connected and just run for, go from go from there? I would say. Matt Corral is not Kyler Murray, so no, uh, definitely not. Just be prepared; that's not going to go as well. I right. probably, you know, possibly as as the Cliff Kingsbury Kyler thing did, but yeah, yeah, I think those are going to be two two interesting destinations, and we'll see where Jim Harbaugh ends up. <laughs> but um, hey, Chicago is another place, obviously, that should be exciting. Uh, for whatever yeah. you know, whatever coach gets that job, it's going to take some time, but. Yeah, I think the the Bears and the Vikings jobs, you know, they're both kind of intriguing because I feel like, you know, the Lions are in your division, so like, you know, you're automatically not you're, gonna be, you, yeah, you're automatically not going to be the worst team, and the Packers could be in like this kind of like transition phase. We don't really know what's going to happen. It's kind of weird. We don't they haven't really talked much about what the off season is going to be, partly because this regular season has been so good. But, you know, if there's a lot of transition this offseason and this is indeed the last dance, then, you know, again, you can turn around and have a division that's completely up for grabs. You know, we'll see what happened with the Raiders situation, but that, to me, would would also be a, a very good job because you got uh, the best quarterback of all these games. Yes. You know, you have a quarterback that you know can lead your team to the postseason that can put up some big numbers. So you're not starting at zero. You're starting at, you know, a decent starting spot, literally a team that's in the playoffs. So that would be – that I would pay attention to it as well. 
But um, let's wrap the show kind of real quick talking about this Georgia National Championship game. So Georgia uh, defeated Alabama in the National Championship game. It did come after Jameson Williams suffered a torn ACL. Uh, wishing the best to Jameson he Williams. Did. Yeah, Gotta cut up? you off because we got some breaking news. Okay. Uh, the Texans have news. fired David Culley. Oh, man. We'll talk about you know timely news. Just this, You would have broke me just two minutes before. It would have been right in this Black Monday. It just just, so, just broke a minute ago, so unfortunately I could not. Yeah. But, man. Well, the, David Culley, man. I mean, I, I feel bad for him. He, he came into a situation that was just uh, – you want to talk about poverty organizations. I mean, the Texans, definitely a poverty organization right now. Uh, came into a situation that was uh, doomed from the start. You know, Deshaun Jackson didn't want to be there. Watson, then, yeah. The, the, Watson, my bad. Deshaun Watson didn't want to be there. And then they couldn't get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, so so they, they, were, they were really in no man's land. Yeah, they didn't even get anything back for him. Yeah, he, yeah. He he's had was, their best player who couldn't play. He was a guy on the roster that just just wouldn't wasn't out there. And and talk about best player, he's one of the best players in the NFL. Yes, the only reason why they were even and, competent the last couple of years is because they've had the John Watson, right, and then exactly. he's not there. So now they're be, even instantly become the worst roster in the NFL going into the season. And the, the Texans were like, they, I mean, they weren't a good team, but no, they, won they won four games. They won four games. Like it was like a they, team that people thought wasn't going to win a game this year. Yeah, they started two and two, you know, so, so things were kind of going okay. They beat the Titans at one point in this season on the road, like, I mean, you know. But again, it's like what we keep saying with you know these black coaches and 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 the the the, the short the short leash these guys have. The last two coaches, EJ, to, to go to be one and done, Steve Wilkes in Arizona, David Culley. It's unfortunate. Yeah, sad day for David Culley. Shout out to David Culley. He seems like a, a man of great integrity and, and dignity. This is it's a really sad day for the NFL, man. Yeah, it's it's, you know? it's unfortunate that a guy like that that's that well respected in right. the league was treated so terribly, and to be fired all these days later, you know, when people are moving on, you know, with trying to move forward with a a, a plan for the franchise. Now that you got past Black Monday, and now you get fired, like that's that's corny, man. Um, it, it, so yeah, I don't I don't feel good about that. Ain't like we want to say anything quicker than that before we get to. No, uh, we can get to the national. We can yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the national. Game. I'm, I'm, that, that's that's a sad note to end on on the Black Monday segment of the show. But yeah. uh, Georgia wins the national championship game, exercising the Alabama Demons. Jameson Williams, Williams, the star receiver for Alabama, did get hurt in that game. Like I said, you know, I want to make sure we send our best wishes to Jameson Williams. Torn ACL. He's sure to be a top pick, but you know, you don't want to come into your first NFL season trying to also rehab. A serious knee injury. I think what stood out to me most, Kendall, is you know one the great program that 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 uh, Curry Smart has really built in a short amount of time. You know, it's kind of easy to forget just kind of how Georgia had kind of fallen off at the end of the Mark Rick era, and it seemed like overnight they just became one of the top two or three programs in the country. And that's a uh, you know a great you know uh, shout out to Curry Smart, the kind of recruiting he's done at a very high level, and the way he's coached up what became, you know, one of the better, better defenses we've seen ever in college football. And if you take away two of Bryce Young's, you know, best athletes, best, uh, uh, you know, uh, weapons, you know, that's the kind of performance you're going to see from that caliber of defense. So it was a, it was a great it was a great team win. Um, Stetson Bennett did what he had to do. You know, the first three quarters, it was a lot of mundane play from him. But credit where credit is due, he lit it up in the fourth quarter, and he made some big throws, made some big plays. So, 
Georgia comes into next season, the national champions, it'll be interesting to see if they could win a national championship again with this kind of weird piece together, piecemeal kind of offense combined with an elite level defense. But that's essentially probably going to be the task for next season. Yeah, I mean, this is a uh, this is one of the more uh, interesting national championship champions uh, that we've seen in a while, simply because it wasn't Alabama. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, this was I thought this was a this was a very it was a great game. Obviously, obviously, we hate to see the James Williams injury um, that certainly. Uh, impacted the the result and certainly impacted the the outcome. Um, don't know necessarily if the result would have changed, but was it impacted by 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 Jameson Williams' injury uh, to so to an extent? Um, you know, I feel like we saw Bryce Young. He would have been able. There are some people coming out of this saying Bryce Young, you know, was he overrated? This and that. No, I mean. You know, he's a quarterback. The quarterback position is naturally going to be somewhat dependent on who are the players around him. Yeah. Can his offensive line hold up? Can his receivers catch? Can his receivers get open? Uh, who's the play caller? All those things matter, and none of those things really held up <laughs> that I mentioned. None of those things really held up in the second half of that game. Um, so with that being said, he struggled, and then he's a freshman and or a sophomore, and he made made a couple bad throws, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he... Ironically, he made those bad throws when he seemed like he was overcompensating for what was maybe some shaky play calling or some some guys right. that couldn't really get open, and he was trying to make something out of nothing. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that that was uh, you know again great great defensive defensive uh, performance by Georgia. If you're a Georgia fan, obviously you're excited. If you're an Oregon fan and you've got Dan Lanning, their defensive coordinator, coming in. You've got to be excited about the job they did in that game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and shout out to Stetson Bennett. I will be the first one to say I was all on, I was all year saying I don't think Kirby's smart. He's going to cost his team another chance at a championship like he did with Jake Fromm. Um, uh, but Stetson Bennett was just good enough, and the defense was just good enough um, that they were able to get it done. Um, I think if he wants to repeat, I think it would be in his best interest to to, to probably move on from Stetson Bennett, but um, but who am I to say? You know, yeah. Kirby Smart. You know, Kirby Smart knows his team better than I do. But yeah, um, and I don't know who the backups are. But you know, I mean, I do know who the backups are. I just right, don't know. Right, yeah. Good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, Daniels will be certainly one of them. Yeah, JT Daniels. If he doesn't transfer, yeah. got another kid, Brock Vandergriff, who's a right, five star exactly. they brought in. So, you know, they've got guys who on paper you would think would be more talented than Stephen Bennett, but they don't have national championships, you know, as starters. Exactly. So, and at the end of the day, be Bennett, yeah, at the end of the day, Bennett won 14 games this year, 14 out of 15, only lost with Alabama. He ended up avenging that loss. So it's hard to really. Is he Case Keenum, though? And I don't say that to say, like, because Case Keenum's obviously a great player. And Case but, Keenum was a, was a great college quarterback. Yeah, he was a great college he was player. Way better than Stephen Bennett. More so, like, is he Case Keenum with the Vikings, where it's like, he wasn't supposed to be the starter and something happened, you know, Daniels got hurt and then he came in and lit it up. But the Vikings still were like, we got to upgrade. And they brought in Kirk Cousins and nobody was like broken up about it. You know, that I mean, you, you, I mean, you certainly could be right. I guess the difference though, is that with, you know, with Keenum, the Vikings had the evidence of watching him go to Philly and just not be able to move the ball. 
yeah. in a, in a you know, conference yeah. championship game. Where as in Georgia, because of the way college football works, you know, they saw them. They we saw that kind of performance against Alabama the first time. They still won a game. He got he got a redo. You know, he got a redo. Yeah. And, and then we saw it again, in the first for, half. for three quarters. <laughs> it was the same, yeah. pretty much. But then. Uh, fourth quarter, you know, to his credit, again, he showed a lot of moxie and a lot of uh, mental toughness. Yeah, a lot of grit. Yeah, because there were people, you know, calling for him <laughs> then to make the change during that game. They were like, you yeah. know, they got to take him out. You know, they got to put someone else in there. And Kirby Smart, and Kirby Smart dry, strikes me as the kind of guy that he's not going to make the Nick Saban move. He's not going to say, you know what, Jalen Hurts, you know, you had a good run, but we going with Tua and maybe his best, your best serve, you know, going somewhere else. Like, he's not going to do that. Like, he, he to me, he seems like very much a, you know, I'm going to go with my guy, and, and I believe that the way I'm doing things is going to get us to win. Like That's just kind of the vibe I get from him. He's not. He seems to be a little bit of an I told you so kind of guy. So I expect Bennett to be back next year and be the starting quarterback if he wants to continue playing college football. So we'll have to end up seeing just uh, how that all works out. But, you know, congrats to Georgia. Congrats to their fans. They have a, a very loyal very uh, a passionate fan base. We saw them out there in Athens after they won. This means a lot, a lot to a lot of people down there. So, uh, so I'm happy for them. I'm happy for uh, Kirby Smart and that staff. And we'll uh, we'll have to do it again next year, man. Love college football. It was a great college football season. It was good to be back. You know, with you know full crowds and you know uh, it felt a lot more like a regular season than we had last year uh, with all the the pandemic restrictions. So. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a fun ride to see what happens next year. But that's going to do it for this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. I want to thank Kendall, of course, for joining me, and thank you guys all for listening. Of course, if you enjoyed this show, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Follow us individually on social media. You can find Kendall on tw- on uh, Twitter uh, at NewGenKen. You can find me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Twitter, excuse me, on, on Instagram at ActionEJ. Thank you guys again for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. 